0: Let's go to the Word this morning. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. If you want to turn there this morning, and if you got it and you're ready, if you wouldn't mind just standing to your feet for honoring God's Word today. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. It'll also be on the screen for you. This is what the Word says. And they went into Capernaum, And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue and was teaching, talking about Jesus. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, as we enter into a time of your word, I ask that you would speak to every heart and every mind. Let us be open to hear and receive from you today. Shape our minds and our hearts to be more like you, and let us leave here different than what we came in. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you about the authority of Christ. It's a... uh, powerful powerful thing that we see here in Scripture. One just in that Jesus is teaching. And you see the significance of Jesus' teaching, and I know I've said this before, but maybe we need a fresh reminder today, is that when Jesus teaches, He is the Word giving the Word. He's not just a not just another scribe, he's not just another teacher, but there is something about Jesus, as John chapter 1 tells us, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that being Jesus Himself. So anytime we see Jesus teaching or preaching in the scriptures, it is very significant to understand that He is the Word made flesh. So when He teaches and preaches to the people, He is not just a, another voice, but rather a incarnation of what the Word of God says and is. And, and so when we read scripture and we see Jesus healing and we see Jesus doing things and interacting with people, there is There's just as much revelation and power in what he does as in what he says, because he is the word made flesh. And we see here on this Sabbath that he enters into the synagogue and he is teaching. And all the people are astonished because they even say, this is this is different. There's authority with this teaching. They are recognizing the power and the difference between Jesus and the scribes. He's not just like these other teachers that we've heard before, but there's something powerful when he speaks that happens. In fact, it is so powerful and the authority is so strong that in the midst of him teaching, there is an unclean spirit that has possessed a man that begins to cry out. It is interesting to me that when the authority of God rests in a place and when it works through the Word, that it will call out some unclean things in us even. See, I've said this before, but the Bible is the only book that not only do you read yourself, but it will also read you. It will call things out in you. It, we don't know exactly what Jesus was teaching that day, but whatever it was, it irritated an unclean spirit that was in this man. I like that they call it an unclean spirit. I really love that language and that usage there because it leaves room for us to kind of fill in the blank with any unclean spirit or thing that we may have in our life that is getting called out and is irritated and frustrated by what the Word of God says to us. we got to really get to a point where we have a little bit of thicker skin within church among believers because there are things in the Scripture that will offend you, that will offend your flesh, that will hurt your feelings a little bit. And you know what? Sometimes we need our feelings to be hurt. Sometimes we need our flesh to be offended. Sometimes we need things to stir up in us a little bit because if it never were to be offensive to us, if it never were if it was always just sugar coated rainbows and unicorns, and we we just read the word of God and it just all it ever did was encourage us to keep going as we are. And if it was all nothing more than just a book of Proverbs that just gave us some a little shot in the arm to continue on through the week, we would neglect the transformational power that comes with the Word of God. God. See, the Word of God is, is, has this authority not just to encourage, but rather to transform and change the heart of a believer. And we need to learn to understand this authority today. See, when we see this interaction between uh, Jesus and this possessed man, it's important for us to understand in this story that although the demon had all kinds of power over this man, Jesus was the one that had all the authority. There is a major difference between power and authority. You see, power uh, flexes itself in strength and forceful nature, and it just forces its way in there. Power has, has muscle, it has all of these things, but authority, that comes from a place of position and, and title. See, authority is so much different than power because authority gives control over the power. Let me put it to you this way. I mentioned football just a moment ago. Has anybody, do we have anybody that's at least watched one football game in their life? Attended a football game or maybe any other sport, but I'll use football because we're in football season. One of the things that I have always found interesting about a football game is when a player on the field really messes it up, comes over to the sideline, now keep in mind Uh, They are very athletic, very strong. These guys can bench... Hundreds of pounds, they can they can squat hundreds of pounds. They're very strong, very athletic, very testosterone-driven men on the field, have a lot of strength and a lot of power. They push around other 300-pound men. They tackle these guys who are just as strong and just as athletic as they are on the field over and over again. And then it's funny to me that when they mess up, they can come to the sideline, and they have a coach on the sideline who's not nearly as athletic, not nearly as strong, not nearly as powerful as they are in a physical form, but will grab them by the face mask and tear into them when they make a mistake. Has anybody ever played football and had that happen to them before? Has anybody ever watched that happen in a game before? And I couldn't help but make the observation that, um, Coach, do you understand that this guy could tear your head off right now? Like he could absolutely... Pop your head like a pimple if he really wanted to, because he's got all this strength. And, le- and let's be honest, most of these coaches, you know, they're 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 not nearly in the shape of these players. But the thing is, is there is this relationship between the power of the player and the authority of the coach. You see, power will not, in the right, when it's operating in the right context, power will never step outside of the authority. You see, when there is proper authority in place, power will submit to it because it has no choice. And it's interesting to me when you watch these games and you watch that kind of interaction to see this authority take its place and position over the power and say listen you messed up all the and I mean they don't hold back they tear into him I'm like all you need is this one player and it's happened before but I'm using this example today because I believe it's a good image of how of how authority will seize control over power like Jesus did over this demon and this man Another example we can find in Scripture about the authority of God would be found in Mark chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole Scripture for you today, the whole story, but essentially uh, they're in a boat, they're getting ready to go on this journey in this boat, and all of a sudden a storm arises. Jesus is asleep in the boat. They wake Jesus up and say, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus wakes up, and in verse 39 it says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still, still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I I love that question at the end of that there. It says, Who is this that the wind and sea obey him? They didn't say, What is this superpower that he has? What, what is this unique ability that he has? What, what is all of that? They say, no, who is this? In other words, they're saying there is something about him as a person, him in this incarnation of the flesh that we know him to be 100% God and 100% man. They were still trying to figure all this stuff out at this point. But when they looked at him, they said, there is something unique about Jesus that he has authority over the wind and the sea. They didn't say, what, where is this strength? Where is this power coming from? They said, who is this? In other words, who is this person that he has this type of authority over the wind and the sea? You see, they recognized that there was something special about the person of Christ. It wasn't just a power that he had, but rather an authority that he carried because of who Christ is. Here's what I want to get down to today is that we are great with understanding his power. We trust him with power. We celebrate his power. But when it comes to his authority, we struggle to really fully grasp that concept. We really, truly struggle to understand the authority of Christ and apply his authority to the way we live our life. See, the disciples said, even the wind and the sea obey him. Why do we struggle so much to understand God's authority because you see we can trace it back to the beginning of creation and when God said let there be light there was light when God said when God created the stars and the moon and he gave them boundaries that hey during these times it's time for the moon and the stars to shine and during this time it's time for the sun to shine guess what they do what they were told When God spoke to the sea and said, listen, you can come up to this boundary, but no further, and we're going to call this area here land. This is the shoreline. That is your boundary. You should come here and no further. It listened. When God spoke to the fish and said, listen, hey, the ocean is your domain. The lakes and the rivers are your domain. You stay there. You're not designed to live on land. You're not designed to to fly in the sky like the birds. And guess what? They listened to his authority. When he spoke to the birds outside of a few uh, different variations of birds, like penguins and such, he said, The sky is your domain, the trees and the land are your domain. You cannot live in the sea for an ex- extended period of time. Guess what? They stayed where they were told. But why is it that when God speaks to us and he tells us that, hey, guess what? These are your boundaries. This is where you're supposed to go. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to breathe, how you're supposed to move, how you're supposed to work. All of these things, we start asking questions. Well, why? Why do I have to do it that way? Why can't I do it my way? You know what happens when the ocean breaks its boundary? We call it a flood. Nothing good comes with a flood, just destruction and damage. What happens when a bird decides it wants to be a fish and just dives into the ocean? It dies. What happens when a fish spends too much time out of water, out of it where God told it to live? It dies. Everything else suffers these great consequences for disobeying the authority that God has placed and the direction that God has placed over its created life. But for whatever reason, when God gives us direction, because we are sinful in our nature, we look at Him and say, why do I have to do that? Why? why? It's because we have a desire for the power but lack a respect for the authority. You see we want we want all the power. You see even Adam and Eve back in the garden of Eden. They began to question when Satan showed up and gave temptation. He said, well, listen, surely you won't die if you eat of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Surely you'll be just fine. It'll be okay. Why not? God just doesn't want you to be just like him. He doesn't want you to have that same power. And all of a sudden they had a desire for a power but neglected the authority that was over them. And see we we live life so much like this. We want to experience all of God's power. We want to walk in all of God's power, but we do not want to be under his authority. You see, we want miracles on our time. We want him to work in our own way. We want to decide how the power should be used. We want to make the decisions that God, you heal this person because I said so, because I prayed hard enough. God, you provide here because I think you should provide here. God, you should move this mountain because I want this mountain moved. And and we think that we have this right to come before God to tell him how to wield his power. And we think we have this right that even though God said something, we have this right that we should be able to question it and design our own path. Because we want all of the power, but all of a sudden when authority steps in and says, hey, these are the boundaries, these are, these are the guidelines to have access to the power, we begin to have issues with it. We begin to try to create our own way. And the thing is, is we have so many people in this world, all of us included, if we're going to be honest, that have at some point in their life, at least one time, have stepped outside of God's authority and tried to do things our own way. And if we're going to be honest in here today, it would be a totally honest admission to say that it went completely wrong. Or at least did not go nearly as well as it could have gone if we would have just done what God told us to do. If we would have just done it God's way how His Word directs us to do it, how He gave us the wisdom to do something. If we would have just followed those guidelines, we would have been just fine. But you see, we look at God's boundaries and God's authority as something that restrains blessing in our life, but rather it doesn't restrain the blessing, it preserves the blessing. We think God is holding something back from us by telling us that, hey, this is the authority you are to work under. According to the authority of my word, you need to do it this way. You need to look at marriage this way. You need to look at finances this way. You need to look at relationships with other people this way. You need to look at raising a family this way. You need to do it according to this authority. And 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 when we step outside of that, when we look at that, we, we are asking or telling ourselves, well, what are you holding back from me, God. By, what do you mean I can't just sleep with whoever I want? What do you mean I can't just do manage this however I want? What do you mean I can't just raise this family up however I want? And you've given me these guidelines, but but look at all this fun activity. Look at all these great things that everybody else gets to experience and, and what we view and perceive as positive things. we We look at these boundaries as restriction rather than preserving a blessing for us. Because I have learned that when we do things God's way, when we stay within the boundaries that he's given us, when we walk under his authority, there is a very unique thing that happens called being blessed. I mentioned it when we took up offering today, that when we obey God, God blesses. You can read scripture after scripture and story after story in the Bible, and you will see differences between people who obeyed God and people who disobeyed God. And the people who disobeyed, it did not work out so well for them. But people who obeyed God received blessing upon blessing. And I want to be clear today is that we, we view blessings differently than God views Blessings. You see, in, in the American Western world, first world country, capitalist society, we view blessings from God in financial terms. Like, we we don't realize how blessed we are, and we don't admit that we're blessed unless we are really well off in our bank accounts. Let, let's be real about that today. I, I, you may view other things as blessings as well, but you may not view those things as blessings as much if you were not financially stable. But I want us to understand today that blessings go so much far beyond your well-being, what house you live in, what car you drive, what, what your paycheck looks like, what all of those things look like, but the re- and how much food you have in the fridge and all of that. The real blessing is that you have food. The real blessing is that you have a car. The real blessing is that you have a house. The real blessing is that you have a paycheck. The real blessing is that you have your health. And it's, for some people, health is better than others. But the reality of it is, is that the, you have air in your lungs, you are blessed. And what I found out in some cases, not all cases, I want to be clear on that, is that sometimes our health problems will, are because we are not stewarding our bodies the way God intended us to steward them. We don't like talking about that in the church. And I know I've talked about it before, but we and I and I I fight that demon every day, the sin of gluttony. When we start filling ourselves with garbage and we start living a sedentary lifestyle and we don't do things and to take care of ourselves the way God intended us to treat when he said your body is a temple, we should treat it and honor it as a temple and a holy thing. As the, He has said our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't treat our bodies like the Holy Spirit lives there, We shouldn't be surprised when things start going wrong. Now, I get it. There are things that are totally out of our control. You can do everything right. You can take your vitamins. You can exercise. You can do all that, and there's still things that happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we step outside of what God has given us as guidelines, as truth, and authority on how we do things. That gluttony might be more touchy than finances in the church, to be honest with you. Because if there's one thing I have learned about church people, it's that we like to eat. But I'm trying to make a point to you today that there are many things that happen in our lives. And I have said it before that everything happens for a reason. And a lot of times the reason is because we did something we weren't supposed to do. You didn't go to jail because God's out to get you. You went to jail because you broke the law. You, you, didn't, you didn't get sick because God's out to get you. You got sick because you were eating stuff you shouldn't have been eating, going doing things you shouldn't have been doing. Now, I, we get colds, we get sick, we get, we get, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. Not everything is your fault, but we need to be real when we look at things that have happened in our life and ask the question, did I step outside of God's authority and this is why this is happening to me? You see, I, I've learned that we want everything, we want all this power, we want all this great moves of God in our life. But what if we just, you know, let me backtrack there for a second and say it like this. We spend a lot of time asking God to rescue us from things that we wouldn't have needed rescued from if we would have just done it his way the first time. We will flock to the altar, say, God, rescue me from my finances rescue my marriage rescue my children and my family and rescue uh, rescue this relationship rescue this job rescue all of these things and we're always asking god to save us from something and rescue us from something but what if for again it's not all circumstances but what if for many of those things it was just that we disobeyed and we did not do things the way god lined them out for us to do according to his word I get it. There are things that you can do it all right, you can do it by the book, and it still does not turn out right. And I don't have answers for all of those things. I just trust God's sovereignty in all things when it comes down to that. But what if you could look at your life and erase 80% of the bad things that have happened to you just by being obedient to what he said? So maybe we wouldn't need rescued so often if we just did things God's way the first time. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, it says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him, that in everything, he might be preeminent. That sounds a whole lot like without Christ being the priority, the first thing, the the deciding factor, being the one that reigns over it all, without understanding that, everything falls apart. It says, and in him all things hold together. But when we take things and move them outside of him, and we start doing them within us, within what the world says, within all of these other methods that people say are tried and true, and we begin to take it outside of him and try to do it our own way, and it's, the Bible says that it's in him all things hold together, well, we can use some critical thinking skills to look at that and say outside of him all things are going to fall apart. Right, right. You see, we look at our relationship to God, and we, we've kind of created a checklist. And, and he's not like part of our checklist. He, he's supposed to be preeminent in everything. Is what the Scripture just told us in verse 18, that in everything He might be preeminent. In other words, in Him, in everything, He is first. In your personal faith, it's got to be Him. In your marriage, it's in Him. In your finances, it's in Him. In your family, it's in Him. In your careers, in your jobs, it's in Him. Everything has to be in him, and he has to be preeminent in in everything. He has to be first in everything. And, And what we've done, though, is we've taken a checklist, and we say, okay, God first, marriage second, church third, maybe, Maybe it's career third. Maybe it's whatever, whatever your list is. But I find oftentimes that we well-meaningly put God on this checklist, but by making a checklist, we create a box. And by creating a box, we say, okay, on Sundays from 1045 to about noon, that's Jesus time. But after that, it's lunch and family time and all of this, and then we separate him un- unknowingly, unmeaningly. We separate him from all of our other activities throughout the week. We separate them from our marriage. Okay, my morning devotion and prayer time is at 5 a.m. if you're an early riser, or I do my devotion prayer time in the evening, and we separate that from everything else we do during the day. To make this practical, what if everything we did was centered around our relationship with Christ? If we centered our marriage around Christ and our relationship with him, what would the marriage look like? If you centered your family around him and it wasn't just like, okay, we have church time as a family, and then we just go on about our business the rest of the week and do whatever we want to do? What if it was just like your relationship with Christ was integrated into everything you do as a family? It wasn't just a Sunday morning thing that we put in a box or a Wednesday night thing or or a what or a whatever or, or like what if your prayer life wasn't designated to just this hour in the morning or in the evening or for some people less than an hour or more than an hour whatever your prayer time looks like what if it wasn't designated to just that but while you're at work the bible says pray without ceasing it doesn't say designate a time and a place and that's the only time you pray it does say go into your prayer closet and and pray but i'm talking about the prayer without ceasing what about at your job and things are getting hard you take just a moment and say lord this job is yours anyway You rule over this job. It's your authority that is over this job to begin with, and it's by your authority that I work. And your word says to do everything as unto the Lord. So, Lord, help me to do it as unto you. Help me to work through this. Give me the wisdom and the strength, and help me to work diligently and not slack off in this because it's getting difficult. And let me, what if we started looking at our faith like that, and we did everything under the authority and blanket of what God has declared in his word? I wonder how much better things would go. I wonder how much how much smoother life could possibly be if everything we did fell under God's authority rather than our own authority. And then we just asked God for his power to operate according to how we want him to operate. And we said, Lord, how do you want to do it? How do you want me to do it? What if we shifted our way of thinking? Our way of operating. To say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And just help me to walk in your will and your way. You see, there is something unique that we talked about. About the authority of Christ. People were in awe over the authority of Christ. It made him famous, as the scripture said, in all of the area surrounding, in all the regions surrounding Galilee. It drove unclean spirits mad It was transforming of that area. This authority in that moment. See, when he got famous for this authority, it changed lives. It wasn't just like he became a celebrity. Because of this authority, people flocked to him and said, let me get a taste of that authority. And we had... Demons throughout Scripture bowing their knee and being cast out. We had diseases being healed. We had people being set free and forgiven. We had all of these miracles that happened in Scripture and throughout the Gospels that happened after this moment in time because there was something about His authority that spread throughout the land that everybody wanted to come under that authority. They wanted to bring their sicknesses under His authority. They wanted to bring their families under His authority. They wanted to bring their loved ones and their children under this authority because there was something powerful that happened when Jesus began to work. So my question for us today, as we get ready to close this morning, is do you have your life, your family, your job, your marriage, your, your, your career, your, your finances, all of these things under the authority of Christ? Do you operate and live your life in a way that submits to Him fully? And are you even open to Him to have authority? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?